Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome along to the Wise Men's Here podcast. Sunderland have their first win of the season and we are going to talk about that. I was in two minds whether to actually do anything because it does, it seems like barely anybody from the Wise Men's Here team were actually at the match, myself included. Um, I don't know if this was like national stay away game or something, but the amount of people who I know who didn't go for work commitments or for a wedding or something like that is uh, unbelievable. But what I thought I would do was... Put some content out anyway and get Matt along to join us again. I know he did the reaction pod, so go and listen to that if you hadn't already um, and ask him some questions. And we've also got Joe Nicholson from the Southern Echo. He, if his wise men, said debut, no less. So good to have you both along. All right. Good. Uh, remarkable, really, that you've picked just as well this game because I actually saw all of the goals as well, which is very unusual for me. Because there was none in the la- in the first five minutes or last five minutes of the half. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Well, I, what, I, what I thought I would do then, I thought, like, because for whatever reason, like, loads of people seem like they weren't even there, I thought uh, I'll ask questions on behalf of those people and myself so we can try and paint a picture of the match that way. So um, right. this might be terrible, um, but who right. knows? We'll give it a go. Um, people wouldn't expect anything else. So, I've seen the goals and that's it. Right. So, first question, was Rotherham's goal a really, really good goal or was it bad from Sunderland? Because I watched in one particular piece of footage, do you know when the away fans do their YouTube things and, oh, and they yeah. do it from like the away end? I only watched them when we beat them. Um, but I watched that and from that, his footage, I think if Sunderland scored that goal away from home, it's all over Twitter, and it's like only Sunderland score goals like this, blah blah blah, because it it looked like a really good goal. But there's always somebody playing for a goal. Where do we stand on that, Matt? Um, it was a good goal. They passed the ball quite nicely. Uh, quite funny that at the start of the move, their fans were cheering the passes, which was quite good. Um, it was, a good was goal. That ironically because they barely touched the ball before then. No, I think they were they settled quite well. I think right, like quite happy to quite happy to have a day out. I think. Um, but I, it was a good goal. But so I was saying, like when I was watching, I was like, he's kind of stood on his own there in the middle, and all he had to do was work the ball around. Um, certain got nutmeg, so nine came out of position, couldn't cover him, and he was just stood on his own in the middle, like no one reacted. They, they did play it in really nicely, they passed it around us, but they passed it around us really quite easily. I thought, like wide open at the back. Um, it was a good finish, but he was just stunning because the keeper's got no chance. He's just stunning his own, but 
Mm. Oh, useful job. Yeah, it was. Was it a good goal from them, or was it poor defending from Sunderland? I think it was kind of one thing after the other from Sunderland's point of view. The fact that kind of they had a bit of space in midfield, it then went down the right hand side. Oh nine, then got pulled across, didn't he? Because Sirkin had been pulled across. And then the man in the middle was one of Rotherham's three midfielders, who I think Equa was closest to, who maybe shouldn't have been a bit close to him and he had some space in the box. So I think it was just kind of a series of things that happened from Sunderland's point of view. Rotherham had a bit more space. I thought they pressed pretty well in the first half of Rotherham because they knew that Sunderland didn't have that player to run in behind their kind of back line without playing with the kind of natural number line. And I'm sure come to, to Joe Bellingham, he kind of did that role more as the game kind of progressed and he was the one kind of stretching their back line and got Sunderland up the pitch a little bit. But in terms of the first goal, I think it was just one of them that, yes, it was a good goal from Rotherham's point of view, but the important thing was Sunderland reacted quickly as, to be fair, they did at Preston the week before, which was which was hugely important. Mm, well, on that, and that leads me to the next one, was the sense in the ground at the time that there was going to be fume if Sunderland didn't equalise quickly? It was... It was pretty. Um, it, it it didn't turn. You know that would be too far to say it did. But I think if they'd have gone down, if they'd have gone in at a break, no, uh, one nil down, they wouldn't. They would have been booed off the pitch. I would imagine. Um, and I think like it was really important to get that goal because we didn't give them the chance to settle and start killing it and start falling over and start. You know. Closing the hook, like just killing the game and, and putting the whole team back. Because to be fair, they didn't really have everyone behind the ball when they, when they came up. They weren't very good, but like we've seen better sides than them come to the stadium and just try and kill it from minute one. And they didn't really do that. But I think obviously, if we'd have let them settle, they, they would have done that without question. And I, so I think like the goal, this the. the the sort of noise and stuff around Job's first goal was more of like a relief, really, because it was like, we've gone behind again. We've gone behind in every game of the season. Um, and as you said, Joe, like, reacted really quickly. Like, we did a press, and then, crucially, this time, like, we've gone on and won the game. So, I think it was, like, massive getting back within, like, two or three minutes. Or whatever it was, it might have been a bit longer than that. It's interesting you say, like, relief as well, because I feel like, don't you think, Joe, but I feel... In terms of Joe Bellingham, uh, he, he and some people might think this is strong, but I feel like he needed this performance and this outcome because he wasn't very good at pressing, which is a bit of an understatement. Which you almost feel harsh judging him, seventeen-year-old kid, but we have to judge him on 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 the fact that he's been brought and brought in clearly as a first-team player. Yeah, well, actually, I spoke to him after the game, and he is very harsh on himself, so he. Missed that chance, didn't he? The first game against Ipswich, and I think that was weighing on his mind a little bit. And then he gave the ball away at Preston, which led to their winner. And he admitted that that played on his mind, kind of the start of last week, kind of leading up to the game against Rotherham. And then he kind of said, well, you've got to kind of put it to the back of your mind. I think he judges himself quite highly, and he's here to to learn and develop, and he will kind of hold himself to a higher standard. So, And his role in the side clearly was quite different after that Rotherham opener, because he was the one a lot of the time he was playing as kind of the centre forward when Dak was dropping deeper and he was the one having to push forward, stretch the Rotherham defence and he got himself into those positions to score, which Sunderland needed the minute without that natural centre forward on the pitch. And I thought the equaliser was huge after falling behind 
in the 20th minute because I thought there was a, a kind of angst around the place kind of the first 20 minutes before even before that goal Sunderland had a lot of the ball but it was a lot of kind of passing for passing sake almost rather than were pressing higher up the pitch and making them kind of selves difficult to play through and following those back-to-back defeats there was a bit of tension I thought and then when they went ahead we've seen it before that it can be very difficult when teams can grow in confidence at the stadium of light the fans can maybe get a bit frustrated there was even a few chances of for Danny Bath after the opening goal um, from the Roker end but um, Sunderland reacted pretty well after that as we've mentioned before got the equaliser and from there there was a kind of a bit more Sunderland could have won by more in the end after Bellingham got that second goal in the second half could have had a hat trick and Sunderland would I think come with the better side in the second half I didn't realise they'd been chatting for Danny Bath what to the fans just to the fans yeah mainly the south stand it was after the first goal he started, I think he'd been sent a warm-up pass and uh, yeah there was, it was quite quite audible it wasn't it didn't go on for very long but it, it was certainly noticeable it's an interesting well, debate in it because like Bath should he be in the team I mean you could argue he should um, would Danny Bath have stopped Rotherham's opening goal uh, you can't say 100% for sure that he wouldn't have done but I just think the goals that Sunderland have conceded so far if they were like like we've mentioned this on our podcast before, if they were like corners in from coming into the box or crosses into the box, and you think Sunderland have clearly lacked that kind of aerial presence that Danny Bath provides, then I think there's a strong argument that he can be in the team. But I think the kind of goals that Sunderland have conceded, two of them have been deflections. A couple of them have kind of come from mistakes in midfield, haven't they? Then Sunderland have been left exposed at the back. So it's an interesting debate. Should Danny Bath be in the team or Luke and I? And, Danny Bath was obviously player of the season last season. Um, but would he stop the Rotherham's opening goal? I'm not so sure. It's a few things on that, like uh, which, which is interesting, because I, I said to Mickey Loft when we did the reaction driving home from Preston, and I said, um, I, I can understand why O'Nine's in the team until we have a def- proper defensive midfielder in the team, because he can step out with the ball. And, and it makes sense from, that, yeah. sense from that point of view. I agree with... You know, when you look at the way Luton played against us, you know, we haven't really had that this season, which is what everybody thinks Danny Bart in particular would have counteracted. I, I guess it's an argument to say, well, we would, would be playing 10 yards further back if Bat was in the team. And that might have presented, prevented some of the goals because we've been so open going forward. But I guess, what, what, you know, whatever your opinion on that debate, Matt, I, I guess if people are chatting his name as much as anything, they're just letting the board know that they're not happy about certain things is what I would think. Yeah, I think like... I, I would have him in the team. Um, obviously, it's, it's a massive thing for the world. Massive thing, but it's a big debate everyone's having at the minute. But I think in terms of that, I think it's just like there are elements of frustration at the minute. And I think that seems to be one where, you know, whatever you think, whatever your opinion is on whether Bath should be playing at the minute or not, it seems as if he's just been kind of cast aside. And, you know, he, he kind of, I feel it, he deserves a bit better than this, really, in terms of, you know, he, he was it was immense for us last season and he dragged the team through a lot of the games when we didn't have any experience. We didn't even have another defender to play alongside him. And I think for all, like, 0-9 did OK and on Saturday largely and he, he's not really let us down at centre-half. I think a lot of his development has been down to playing alongside Danny Barton, you know, being around him, I just think it seems as if he's just been a bit like, "Oh well, you can thanks, that's it now you can go." And I think it just feels like change for 
for kind of changing sake. Like, you know, you can see O nine's better with the ball and stuff, and I know there's all those stats and whatever people have pulled from various sources this weekend. And, but it's like they don't sort of mean anything, really. Like, they, they don't mean, sorry, they don't like tell the whole story. And I just feel with Bart and Ballard centre half, we just look more assured defensively. Whether, whether that would have stopped the goal, probably not. But I think, like, certainly against better sides in Rotherham, you're going to have a better chance of winning the game and keeping a clean sheet with two very nice centre-halves than you are with Blue Bowl 9 to, you know, I'm not digging them out again because people think I am and I'm not. Like, it would be the same as if you were playing Trey Hume centre-half. You know, at this time, when you've got very nice centre-halves on the bench, it doesn't make more sense to me, but... I'm not the manager, I'm mm. and I'm not the whatever speaker. Yeah, it is, and I, I just, I just think that it, and, and I think a lot of people do think that even if, you know, like I've said, I, I can acknowledge why he's not on the team at the minute, but even I think the way he's he appears to have been treated is, is not on, and no. um, and I th- and I think it's it's remarkable how the amount of people who are like almost coming out now. You know, and stretching themselves in all positions to suggest that they don't rate Danny Bart suddenly. And yet, when he was player of the season, I can't remember one person complaining about it or saying that was unjustified. But now, suddenly, and, and he hasn't played a game since since he was given player of the season. So it's not like he's done anything like, oh, well, actually, he's not the same player he was because nobody nobody knows. So um, it's not just him, it's Pritchard, as we know. But we, we, we've spoken about that. And I think we're going to have to just. We're going to have to just see what happens in January before we have a proper rant about it because the news that's coming out that they're going to let Pritchard leave as well. I think everybody knows our, our feelings on that, but I'm prepared to wait to see what they bring in before we start, um, before we go in on that. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Next question, will Job Bellingham's brace mean that the recruitment team will now think, get in, we've got to send a forward? Nah, surely not. Well, you say well, that. Well, he's already said he doesn't want to play there. Like, it, that would just be so, like, when Darren Bent left. Would you be surprised? Um, part of me wouldn't, but I think even by their standards... If they did that now, they know that like they, surely we can't do this. It's they very almost much like too, to be honest. It's very much like yeah, no, it's, it's very much like Kieran Richardson scoring twice at Blackpool and then and then left, and it's like that'll be all right because we'll just play up from now. Like we, 
he took his goals really well. And he's certainly a lot more effective in that position than anyone else. But again, we're playing Rotherham and not to slag Rotherham off. They're not very good. You know, they're not. Like, they're, they're a poor side. It, it, that goal. first goal was really poor defending. Really, the second one was for all, yeah. you know, it was a great finish, but he's just stood in his own in the box. As I, he could have had three or four, Joel. He won't want to play centre He's not a centre forward. He, he saw, you know, the chance against Ipswich, he missed it. He's not, he's not. He doesn't look a natural finisher, although he did finish the two very well, well, particularly the second one, he finished really well. Um, it would be complete suicide for everyone if they went, it's fine, because Joe is going to play second. I'm just laughing because I just, just would not rule this out at all. Um, no, I wouldn't rule it out, but I mean, <laughs> I, think, I mean, surely... I could just, I get this vision, just get this vision of like Bellingham scoring that second and like Speakman sitting back with his arm folded and like looking at looking across and raising his eyebrows to everybody else in that row. <laughs> did you, you support him, Joe? Then and he, like Max right, he did say, yeah. didn't he? That he's he's not he's not it's he's making it clear, isn't he, publicly that like almost he's he's going along with this like before you get any ideas, like yeah. this is not for me. Well, he said it. Mowbray said it as well that he doesn't see him <laughs> playing there long term. So I think it's pretty clear that Sunderland want to bring in at least one more centre forward. Mowbray said as well is um, Jay Stansfield from Fulham. He's one of the targets they're kind of in talks with, and that they may have to kind of turn to Premier League loan players. So they're still going to be looking to bring in at least one more striker, which they need. And obviously Ross Stewart, if he comes back and comes back into the team, that's a complete game changer, isn't it? Kind of putting him at the top of that side. So it'll be interesting to see what they do in the next few weeks, but I certainly don't see Bellingham as the long-term centre-forward. It'll be interesting, actually, where he does play, whether he kind of stays as a number 10 or whether he drops a bit deeper kind of as a box-to-box midfielder because probably Dak would want to play as a number 10 as well if someone bring in another striker. And then where does that leave Bellingham? You've obviously got Neil and Equa in as that midfield too, but then there's probably a lack of options behind them at the minute because of injuries. So it'll be interesting to see where Bellingham does play. The thing is that he's still only 17. He turns 18 this week, actually. So, And he's got so much kind of potential and kind of ability to grow in certain areas that we still don't really know where his position is. But he has got that athleticism. He's got that kind of technical ability. And as we saw on Saturday, he's kind of adding that goal scoring, that knack of being in the right place at the right time to pop up with goals because it's probably something that he will want to add to his game. He had a you know, a few championship appearances for Birmingham last season, but didn't score any goals. So at the weekend, that was his first two senior goals. So if he can add that to his game as well, Sunderland have got an excellent prospect on their hands. Mm, I, I, what, what's what's encouraging about it? Hopefully, it's a confidence thing because I said again, I said after the press match, you know, yes, we could all mourn about the strike situation. We do that plenty, as everybody knows. Um, but actually, when when Roberts in particular. Is getting into the box as much as getting into the box square on and pulling the ball back. It's it's more than not having a centre forward. The midfielders should know that that's common because it happens so often every game. And the lack of availability from those midfielders getting into the box against Preston was just so frustrating. And again, I thought Ipswich, so, did well though on, on Saturday. I thought he broke into mid, into the box as well. Yeah, well, uh, but hopefully this will now Bellingham's because it's his first senior goal, isn't it? So hopefully, you know, this will now give him the confidence to say, actually, I am going to make myself available. You know, don't necessarily need to be a forward or a number 10 to, to be available to, to to start contributing with those kind of goals. So I was really encouraged by that. And um, from all, by all accounts, Dak didn't 
play well, people are saying. I'll tell you what, his touch for that goal was, was sensational. Though. I know it's such a simplistic thing, it's just a little one-touch layoff, but everybody in that ground is, is expecting him to take a touch there, including yeah. including the Rotherham defenders, clearly, and yeah. he takes them out of the game by just releasing the first time. Brilliant, that was. I don't think he had a bad game. Um, like he just looks like a player who's been talented and just isn't quite fit. Um Struggle to get into it in the first half. I think he wasn't helped by the fact that he was playing as the centre well, forward. Yeah. Yeah. I think when he swapped with Job, he was in the game a lot more and justified his inclusion with that, that thing, as you say, because there's probably not a player on the pitch that's doing that, maybe Roberts. Um, but it was really clever, like very clever to, to be in that, to get himself in that position anyway and then to learn off the way he did. I thought he was. I thought he played well in the second half. Um, but I think... I, I don't know. I, I think at the minute with his fitness levels, he might be better off as an impact at the minute until he's up to speed. I, I don't know if it's... He doesn't look a long way off. He just seems a little bit rusty in terms of some of his touches in the first half were a bit off and he was not quite in the game. But in terms of whether that was mainly due to just being hung out of dry almost at front, um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if that was you know, that rather than his fitness was... Is the reason for it. It's. I mean, it's interesting, which takes us back to the centre forward thing. And it's interesting you said that Joe that he'd, he'd actually mentioned he'd name checked Stansfield. I didn't realise that either. Um, I know obviously he's been heavily linked and stuff like that. And it would be interesting to see how he gets on because the, the championship was always the next logical move for him. I think after going back to Exeter last season and doing well there, and we all know the fairy tale story around that. And um, he does look a real prospect, <clears> and the fact that Fulham made it clear they don't want to sell him is encouraging him. Um, and uh, it'd just be interesting to see if there's just that or whether that's going to actually materialise. Because going off Mowbray's quotes, clearly the people we've been targeting before haven't happened. When he did that talking a couple of weeks ago, the profile of the player he was talking about was not J.S. Stansfield, clearly. And he was yeah. saying that was nearly done. And it seems like every time he speaks to you guys, he's saying, tomorrow 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 and 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 it never happens so it's it's getting a bit frustrating that isn't it and you can't blame fans for being in, a bit impatient when we keep being told that this is imminent mm. it obviously is frustrating for him because he's having to play Bradley Dack as kind of a false nine at Preston and against Rotherham Bradley Dack who's not had a full pre-season who's been training by himself all summer before that transfer got moved and he's not a natural number nine so and Mowbray spoke about last week about kind of turning to the loan market about the challenges of that because the longer you leave it Premier League clubs will then decide this player can now be available on loan in the last one or two days of the transfer window so perhaps you could get an excellent deal on the final day or the final two days but do you want to risk missing out altogether as they did really in January they were left short weren't they when they weren't able to bring in another player when Stewart got that injury so it's kind of how late do you leave it? Do you want to bring in someone now or do you want to gamble and potentially get in a really top player right at the end of the transfer window? Sunderland benefited hugely last season from loans. Ahmad is the obvious one. thought Joe Gelthart as well made an impact well. Obviously, Sims at the start of the season. So to bring in those players that could make a significant impact at the first team level or do you go for someone like a Stansfield who he's done well in League One but he's not played before in the Championship. So... It's a difficult balance for them to kind of get right. Clearly, now they're looking at loan players. They're looking at the, the Premier League loan market as well, although you wouldn't rule out 
signings from abroad because they'd gone down that market earlier in the summer. But yeah, it's a big couple of weeks for Sunderland because clearly they are short up front. And as we've mentioned before, you can't keep playing Joe Bellingham up there because it's not a long-term solution. Mm, I, th- I kind of think, Matt, that like, from a personal point of view, if it's, if it's just Stansfield, with respect, I, I, I've always said one is realistic. And even if there's a loan signing, with respect, I feel like if it's Stansfield, we need a couple. But I just can't see that happening mm-hmm. at all. We can't even bring one in, so I can't see how we're suddenly expecting two are going to come in. Uh, like, I've, I don't know a lot about Stansfield other than that. I saw a few of his goals for Exeter, but I think I only saw them because of the, the emotion behind, you know, when he, when he yeah. scored for Exeter. Um, but like, no disrespect to him, if if he's what you're bringing in, and that's it, that's like a hell of an ask for him to come into this team on his own. Because Stewart's still a good few weeks away. Like, if it's going to be him on his own, I'm not sure that's what we need. I'm not sure that's what Mowbray wants. I think though, I. Considering we've brought in one permanent striker in three years, I think we're kind of with a week or so to go. I don't think we'll bring two in. I think we're more likely to bring in a striker and a midfielder, um, which I, I also think we need uh, a central midfielder. Um, I think you haven't played. I would play Dan Neal as the deep line one at the minute. Yeah, agree. Well, that's mainly because that was not very good defensively. Well, and he's got more to offer. I think he's just got more to offer than he's shown us at the minute because he's too deep. Well, yeah, he has, but like, and it's it's not fair on Daniel. I have to play him there though. Like, but he's the option we've got at the minute, and and to, I would like us to bring someone in so that Daniel could play further forward. But like, because I think I've, I think Daniel's great. I, I I think he's got so much to offer, and he plays like. It's, he's been asked a lot, Neil, like in terms of the positions he's asked to play, and he's played pretty much every game for the last two years. And he's like 21 years old. It's it's mad how people think of him as an experienced midfielder, and he's, you know, in any other team he'd be like being, you know, flooded in, and he's having to almost play out of position. Because we've got no one else, and I think he he really he could really do with some help to allow him to to have like a season where you think, wow, he's, he's brilliant. I agree, and um, it looks like um, well, suggestions there. The Keenan Davis is going to go to the Hull on loan, and that would have been a good loan sign. I think they have signed three strikers in the summer who are well known Hull. Just so you know. Last question: um, Could anybody believe that Tom Eves was still playing the championship and did the know he was still playing the championship? Uh, I thought he was. Sorry, still... come on. <laughs> I thought he was still at Hull. Um, didn't he go to Hull? Sure, he went to Hull. He was at Hull, yeah. Yeah, I thought he was still there, but like sort of not playing. Um, he is crap, like, and he, it's kind of. We were. Didn't we nearly sign? Didn't we try and sign him for like a couple of years before? Sure, uh, they, were, they were linked. Like, I don't know how genuine the, the interest was. Yeah, he's so far off the championship level. It's just, I, I mean, it doesn't help him probably playing in that side. I think Stuart, it was that window we signed Will Grigg, I think. I yeah. Think he, was well, yeah he was one of the players then. We got quartered like daft money for him, didn't we? Like, didn't they want like six million quid yeah. for him or something? Which sounds laughable, but then they nearly got that for then. <laughs> Then we could nearly got after Greg. So, would have been a better sign yeah, well, well, Eves and Will Athlet, Eves, <laughs> but he's still in the championship for somebody, and Greg's like in the national league now. So, mm. there you go. 
Oh, well. Well, that was just a quick Q&A. Um, you'll be back later on in the week, Matt, I take it? Yeah, I think so. I think uh, Tom will be back later still. Cool. Uh, right. Good stuff. We'll look at uh, the game against Covenant. Covenant and then Southampton after that, isn't it? It's not, yeah, no. it's not an easy couple, is it? No, it was a really, not. really important win in, in, in relation to that on Saturday. Be looking at, like, you know, if you don't bring anyone in by Saturday, mm. it's not going to be Massively well, but there's a big middles with you know, although we're going to win that one. Looking forward to Tony Mowbray's next press conference where he tells us we're going to decide in the centre forward the next day. Um, just uh, yeah, copy and paste those quotes, Tony right? Mowbray's okay, <laughs> thanks for joining us, Joe. Uh, I'm sure we'll get you back on, and yeah. uh, Matt's going to be back later on in the week. Uh, to look ahead of that trip to Coventry, and as always, thanks for listening. Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.